0: And welcome to episode three of the Jedi Sworder. I am your host Jay Larson, and joining me is my co-host Patrick Whiting. Hello, Patrick. Hey, Jay. How's it going? I am. I'm doing well. I just finished up uh, a game of Shatterpoint at my store. Oh, excellent. Came home to do a podcast, so not Heck too yeah. bad of a bad of a night. Awesome. How did uh, how that game go? Um, it was interesting. It, it was one where we um went through the scenarios each time really quickly um so i won the i won the first one my opponent won the second game really quickly and then i won the third in in quick order we i think i won the game on my ninth activation card
1: oh wow
0: so <laughs> i would have i would have enjoyed watching that it was kind of strange it it was one it was definitely one where um my opponent drew the the phase two scenario and i was fairly fairly poorly out of position Mm -hmm. and so i i adopted kind of the strategy that i was going to let him i wasn't even going to really put up a fight on the second mission really Mm -hmm. but instead i was going to try to keep control of, of the middle and, and my half of the board. It was one where uh he had he had two objectives on his side of the board and by oh, his deployment uh-huh. and one mm-hmm. there was one on my side of the board by my deployment. Yeah. Um and so as like I'm just gonna lose the second one quickly and try to keep um a good presence on the the middle of the board and my side of the board. And then I, I picked you know, obviously the scenario for the second one, and it was one that um, was pretty favorable for me. But I had also tried to set that up so that it would hopefully work out that way, and it did. So um, that was uh, definitely an, an interesting game. Have Have you had uh, any noteworthy games recently?
1: Yeah, I got to play a couple of games. Uh, I thought they were they were each very different from each other uh, in part because I was playing, playing different squads, different, different strike force. Uh, The first, the, the first game that I played uh, recently was with somebody who's, who's, um, he's a good player. He's, he's pretty, pretty thoughtful when, when he does things and his dice are also very, very strong too. So those powers combined make for a a challenging opponent. I, I, I got lucky with a few in a few situations where I was able to push the characters off at the right time and I think with that uh, that strategy rather than trying to force too much conflict I wanted to really really just sort of control what I could and um uh, that did that that worked out uh, although it, it did go the first the first struggle went for a while. It went for I I maxed out my momentum entirely and even then I um just reflecting here the the game still went on and I couldn't I, I could not get any, any more momentum, any more momentum. Uh, I would score a few points, set it back close to zero, I would get another momentum and it just went like that uh, back and forth back and forth until just the end of the struggle and I I was able to to move it just far enough towards my side. I didn't need to go very far at that point, uh, and and I took it. But it was a it was a hard hard fight. Uh, the second one was a little bit faster, but it it still it still was also a hard fight. And then we that game I, I think it was just the first two. The game after that it went all three. Uh, the first the first one was similar. It was a hard hard fight. The second one, similar to what you did and, and what you described in your recent game, I I could not do much. I was out of position and I just had to let it go and try to plan for the, the third one. And that was that was a good strategy uh, in that game as well, similar to yours. The, but my opponents were both very good and they're both gracious and a lot of fun and uh, look forward to playing more games with them.
0: Awesome. yeah well yeah. this uh this episode we're going to talk a little bit about some of the f a q that has been released and also the change log on the rule book and and obviously anyone can read the f a q any and and the the rule book so our our purpose isn't really to read the f a q but uh more so to discuss what we see as the the repercussions of of some of these clarifications or or some of these updates and some of our thoughts on that Mm -hmm. so uh the first faq i I think is interesting it talks about if you have a multi-character unit and they have the pinned uh condition what happens when you activate them Do, do both characters lose their movement and the faq answer to that is no the First model that tries moving will remove the pinned condition, and then the, the second model will be able to move. So, um, Patrick, this is, this is another, um, topic that, that kind of calls back to the, the bonus episode we did last week about mm-hmm. the strength of support units. But, yeah. um, it is, it is a pretty nice benefit for support units that have multiple models to, you know, be able to pick one of them that's hopefully already in a position you like, and have them get rid of the pin condition, and then uh, be able to move the other one.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Go no. ahead. What What were you going to say?
1: No, I think I think it is a good another good example um, as to what what makes supporting units so so potentially impactful uh, in this game. And to, to go through some of the other conditions, uh, it's, it's very much the same way with, with those other ones. I'll, I'll, I'll leave strain for the last bit of my thought here. But if you have a, your support unit that's also disarmed, the mm-hmm. first model won't get to use the expertise, but the second one, second uh, character will. And yeah. And uh,
0: I've, I've had, I've had some instances where, Let's say I have a support unit that is better at doing um, range attacks, mm-hmm. and they are disarmed. And one of the one of the support unit is engaged in melee; one is not. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I will do the attack with the 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 melee attack first, get rid of the disarm condition, and then as my follow up attack oh, with the other model in the unit, that condition will be gone, and with my you know uh, with the range attack that I'm better at I'll hopefully be able to perform better.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's uh that is an excellent uh, an excellent point and a good strategy. Yeah. The the only condition uh to to take um take us the next step that will really impact the support characters is that strain condition. That one will will be the most impactful for for the support characters, when they, they one of them is going to have to lose an action and recover if they, if if they want to keep both both models from from taking that damage. Otherwise, it's going to be sad days for them if they have to bite the bullet there.
0: I would have assumed that wouldn't it work that um, when you when the first model takes the the damage, it then gets removed.
1: Yeah, it does, but since it, the damage goes to the the unit card and they share the same unit card. Yeah. It will yeah, it'll imp it'll impact both of them if just one of them has it. Or if, if one of them is is the target of that strain condition. So as long as you're interpreting on their
0: it won't give them six
1: points of damage, correct? That is correct. Yes. It won't yeah. give them six points of damage. Uh but it is the most impactful of the conditions uh that would um hit hit or be applied to supporting supporting units
0: and in in general three damages usually a pretty big chunk out of a support unit
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it is yeah absolutely is and with those uh those clone commandos coming they only have uh six six health points Mm. essentially so though they do not they do not care for (laughs) care for strain at all
0: all right so uh next next faq uh is related to strained. It it basically just says that it is possible to do a recover action as you're, um, and then remove the strain condition without taking damage. Yep. Yep. So that's, that's something good to keep in mind.
1: It is, it is. Yeah. Uh, certainly relevant for, as we mentioned, the support units, but very, very relevant for all of them. If there was any sort of, uh, just, uh, confusion, that that FAQ point definitely helps
0: sum that up. All right. So next FAQ, um, this one is, uh, important to keep in mind. It's, it doesn't. So currently I would say that Assage is, is probably the character I've been enjoying the most. Oh, uh, this great. FAQ, this FAQ is, if an ability allows me to make a type of action for free, can I then still choose the action later as one of my two actions? Um, which I guess this isn't her doing an action, but it's, I guess, related. Um, anyways, the answer's no. You cannot, um, do an action for free and then circumvent it and do the, the second action, which is obviously the, her, her, um, push force power is, is not an action, but it still has the same rule. If you were to, uh, in her combat tree do it for free, you're not going to be able to. Uh, do it again
1: yep yep uh and super important i've seen that come up in in i mean it came up in our game when we were first learning uh it's come up in many games since um since then uh it's not the most intuitive uh i I guess i'm trying to think Uh, for i mean for us and for me it wasn't the most intuitive thing it's it seems like it would just be a free a free instance but um i'm glad that they they helped add some clarity there uh, as it does it does count towards the once per activation quota uh with with any of those those active abilities Is it they, it was real real bonkers when when either you or myself had Asajj just shoot yeah. people all <laughs> over
0: the, all <laughs> over <laughs> the <laughs> I,
1: I she's a very strong piece, regardless, but having having her get to just <laughs> dominate the table so so mercilessly like that yeah uh, it's important yeah to to for a new player or for for anybody uh, coming over from other games that that may not be new to miniature tabletop uh war that it is part of the the subtlety there you can only use them once per turn uh, sort of hard stop and any any other acc- granted access will not go will not go past that.
0: Yeah. All right. So this next FAQ I feel like um, kind of is mind blowing for any Marvel Crisis Protocol players mm. uh, because it's it's so contrary to you know kind of a cardinal rule of that game. Um, can I attack a wounded unit? Yes, wounded (laughs) units cannot suffer any further damage, but they can gain conditions and characters in those units can be moved. Um, you know, that's honestly, this is one that without the FAQ, it's probably something that I wouldn't have even considered or thought about doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it only dawned on me after watching a couple of, uh, a couple of games streams streams. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and it definitely was not an intuitive step uh, being an MCP player. But frankly, I think that's not really the most intuitive thing for any any tabletop game. Mm. There there really isn't a lot of a lot of games that I can think of where you can what they have these different levels of of existence within the game setting. And they can be uh further interacted with when they're. In this in this state, Marvel was sort of close to it. But this is this sort of takes the whole idea uh a lot further. And it is it is it takes a little bit of time to get used to. But when you when you do and you can start seeing how different synergies play out, characters that are wounded can still do quite a lot of impactful things, Uh even especially since they they can't really take any more damage.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what would you say are some situations where you would consider doing this? What do you uh what do you what do you mean? Sorry. Um attacking a wounded character. Oh, um good
1: question. I I the first thought that comes to mind is to just load them up with conditions with as many conditions as I can. Uh when they switch to their the injured side of the token, they'll get to remove one, but having them start their next Activation should they get one uh, with a, a, a strong uphill trajectory that they have to overcome, uh, or forcing my opponent to have to figure out a way to hopefully forcing them to figure out a way to recover, uh, and thus really playing with their their action economy and and their sort of board presence. That's a big that's a big reason uh, that I would try to attack a another or sorry not another but a, a wounded unit and uh yeah that's the that's the most immediate one how about how about you jay I
0: can, I can think of a couple other instances where i could see it being a good idea so here's here's two off the top of my head mhm uh one of them is let's say that it is a scenario kind of like the game where i played tonight where i it looks like where I'm, I'm kind of focusing on setting up for the next scenario. Uh-huh. I could decide I'm going to attack this wounded model and try to get some pushes and try to get set up so that, um, when it comes to future scoring, it's going to be even more difficult potentially. Um, another, another thought I had with it was, and this is, I, I, this is one I thought of because I'm, I guess, a dirty Assage Ventress player, but. No shame in that. No shame in that. Let's, let's say that I really need to get to my skill tree point where I get my free activated ability so that I can do a force mm-hmm. push. And let's say that I want to get the, that. Um, I have to get the force push for free because I don't have the force points to do it otherwise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One. One idea is, you know, let's say I'm playing you and I've, I've wounded a support unit that has a low defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could decide to go ahead and, and still attack that model instead of a model with a higher defense with the idea that I'm more likely to get farther in my combat tree and reach that triggered force push, um, than if I attacked a model that has a higher uh defensive abilities
1: yeah no i think that's i think that's a great thought That is a great thought i i'm almost i'm almost a little sad that that the world knows about it
0: now (laughs) (laughs) i think it will be okay
1: (laughs) no i i'm I'm kidding but i yeah yeah, i I think that's a great thought and it sparked one one more in in me in that i try to keep a close watch on excuse me my (laughs) opponent's activations so if i think suspect or maybe even know that uh, a certain character is going to be coming up really soon and they might especially if it's a support unit and they're they're fighting me over uh, an objective uh, i will do what i can to to maybe push the if i have pushes hopefully i have pushes in my combat tree to push uh one of those one of those support units and, and just make it a little bit more of a contest, uh, for, for that objective rather than have them come online and immediately just take it from me and uh, f- essentially force, force a, a more difficult, uh, future interaction. Uh, that did come up in my last game. Uh, and in fact, I was the support characters. They dropped down to take a point away from Count Dooku and then Dooku, uh, pushed one of the characters away and then ended up, this is a little bit of a different situation, but ended up wounding them. So, uh, I, that's, uh, another reason, um, not through that immediate example, but that's another reason why I would attack somebody that's been wounded, uh, to further, uh, impact the sort of the objective,
0: uh, play that my opponent has available to them that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is, uh, a... Real quick, I want to pause the, the FAQ discussion mm-hmm. and some of the things you were saying made me think about a topic I've been thinking about. And that is, um, we, we talked, my opponent and I talked a little bit about this during our game tonight. Um, but that's, that's related to base size of models. And mm. so I'm used to initially coming from Marvel crisis protocol and in that game, a larger base size is base is almost, um, universally Better. a positive positive yeah. for you, like mm-hmm. more, more base size, more good. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are that in star Wars Shatterpoint because it, it feels to me like, it's not nearly as one-sided a good thing as it is in Crisis Protocol. But I'm, yeah, I'm curious if you've had any thoughts on that. Or I would definitely
1: agree. Uh, there, there is some drawback in Marvel with base size in terms of yes. being on some some types of terrain. You will be able to to do that if you wanted to it. You know, maybe you don't. But Shatterpoint, it does seem a little little more 50 50 rather than like 80 20 uh where you may not have access to some some parts of the table and if you're pushed away from an objective uh, you are pushed further away from an objective and that's a big deal when when movement is is such an important uh commodity and and it's very impactful when anything plays plays against it
0: yeah that that was definitely one of the areas where we were thinking about it. It seems like by design, obviously, this game has a lot more pushes of your opponent's models. Mm-hmm. Yeah, than, absolutely. Than in Crisis Protocol. Oh, so uh, so much, yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of times where your opponent's combat tree is just like kind of pushing you all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so the the larger base size is, is definitely a drawback in that. Um, another area that you know i was i was thinking a little bit about and maybe this will be a little bit different as more terrain packs come out but you know i i do think that the terrain that came with the core box and in these initial sets um i think that they did a really good job on them i think they look great um i think they're fun to play on but one of the things i've noticed is that you know if for example if i'm playing with uh the the two droids that have a little bit bigger bases and, and sort of want to be by each other. Um, when you're dealing with some of the elevated terrain stuff, you can have a really hard time getting both units up an ingress point. Or mm-hmm. if if you have a... You know, one of the games that we played um, towards the, the launch of the game was one where we had an objective on a, a pretty narrow piece of elevated terrain... Mm-hmm. And it's, it was basically very challenging for some of the larger bases to, to get many of those around that, that scenario point. Um, so I don't know. What's, what's, yeah. what's been kind of your experience with that? <clears throat> Excuse <clears throat> me. <clears throat>
1: yeah, I, I, I would agree. Uh, and I, it has been, um, a point of contention for some people that I've spoken with where they feel um, dissatisfied with when they can't put a certain model in a certain place um, and and I can I get that I I think my first impression of it was a little bit was a little bit jarring too, thinking well I mean they're just it's not a very big model it's got a large base but it's, it's not a big model it should should be able to fit up there but looking at the the models for what they are and what they're supposed to represent it does make a little bit more sense i have to fill in a lot of the imagination space myself but i i think it's 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 kind of cool in that it it forces me to think about things maybe a little bit more thoroughly and i do enjoy being able to put my own sort of imagination into what's happening to help create some of the that, that negative space through the abstraction uh that's kind of some of my my impressions of it and some of my what i've heard other people talk about uh i ultimately it's it's how the game is played it's how the rules are are written and that's the intent and i understand the intent and and i think there's there's some really interesting strategic value to it uh but i mean if it if it happened to go away i i don't know that i would be upset if it disappeared either mostly i i I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Um, but it is something to get used to, uh that that may not be easy to stomach right at first. And it's a kind of a uh a wordy thought process there, but that that's that's where I'm at with it.
0: Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. I had already felt a little bit um, um down on the droids and I kind of feel like they're larger bases are making me like the media
1: boss. Oh, I love the droids. Uh, I, I love the droids. I think I've, after playing, after playing with all of the clones, I would happily go back to just playing with some of the droids. I, <laughs> I, I think that might just be more, more what, what I enjoy, but the, the droids can do so much. They just may not be, they may not be able to be as as versatile with their with their placement on the board as maybe the clones can, but dang, I I think the droids are I think the droids are really really good. I think you should give them a little bit more a little bit more. That's time. true,
0: right? I should. And I'm uh my my opponent tonight played Obi Wan, uh-huh. and um that was was pretty fun with the the clones with him. So that should be a pretty pretty good combo.
1: Yeah, it it is a good combo until people start getting wounded, and then I find it it really starts slowing down pretty fast. Mm-hmm. But it is a good combo.
0: All right, let's continue on with the FAQ. Excellent. The next one is: When a multiple character unit makes a move action, can each type can each character in the unit perform a different type of move, or do they have to all perform the same type of move. And the answer is that uh, when you are picking your action, you pick the move action, and then each of the individual models pick what type of move action they want to do. And so one could do a dash, the other could do an advance, and that would work out perfectly fine.
1: Yes, it would. It is also not, for me, an intuitive leap. I was just picking... The specific move action and applying it to both of them, so mm-hmm. that that clarification is in my day just a little brighter <laughs> uh just so much brighter being able to move or climb or climb and dash or dash and like much 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 better for me,
0: yeah, and it's one that I think is um obviously I think there's gonna be a lot of um ramifications from that one so
1: Yes, yes. I've already seen <laughs> it, at least within my own games. Uh there was a, a moment where I needed two clones to be in some very specific spots and the only way for that to work out, one had to climb, the other one had to move to an ingress point, and that that made such a big difference. If I had been stuck at doing just a climb and a climb, ugh I I I even thought about it in that moment. And I was just so happy that I was wrong. So so <laughs> happy that I was wrong. Yeah, but an important thing though. Yeah, it, for for new players and even people who've been playing it for a little bit, that they still may be playing it the way I was, and hopefully they aren't anymore.
0: Uh, next FAQ is basically it says that they're the only hidden information in the game is the unrevealed uh Shatterpoint deck. Mm-hmm.
1: Although we've already seen some a character that plays
0: with that with Luminara, mm. she gets to take a peek. So I I am curious. Um, before we before we move on to the core rule book change log, mm-hmm. um, what would you say is the rule or rules that you are most prone to forget uh, when you're playing a game?
1: The so the one that is easy for me to forget, and that's pretty, it's pretty easy to do. There's a lot going on, surprisingly. Every card only has like a handful of things, but those interactions start uh, multiplying pretty quickly. And in the last game that I struggled, the thing I struggled with the most was remembering coordinated fire for the clones uh, and applying that. And I, I I simply missed out on a lot of chances to be applying that, and it's really pretty important for their for their kit. It can be a way to just drip damage into an opponent, and that can be a, a one damage can make or break an entire struggle. Uh, I'm finding at least in that game, and uh, just reactive abilities. I think in general, they it's easy to get focused on what you're doing and the things that that trigger other things that's for me. And it's probably the same for a lot of people, but for me, that's the biggest, the biggest frustration for myself and remembering what everything does when everything does it. Um, that, that for me is probably the one, uh, but about how about you? What, are, what are you finding a little bit challenging?
0: I would say that the rule that I most frequently forget is to spend extra force. Ooh. Yeah. When a character is wounded.
1: Yeah, that's such a big, that's such such a big thing, or a big thing and an easy thing to forget. Yeah.
0: The. Yeah, there's so many, the, there's so many like just like one little sentence somewhere in the rule book <laughs> <laughs> that you know it's it's easy to forget what you're what's going on with it.
1: It is the challenging thing for me with rule books is I have to read for context's sake and a rule book. Contextualized to itself, so everything is important, and that that makes just the learning process a lot longer for for me. And when you have just such an important rule like that, and it doesn't take up a lot of a lot of page space sometimes, like with the conditions, right? When you get a second instance of a condition, it it doesn't immediately jump to to mind that you would take a damage unless you remember that one sentence in the rulebook. yeah, but that's, a, I would agree. I would, I forget about that, that one a lot too. And it's impactful. It, it, I, I was better at, better about it at the last game. Um, and it, it makes a big deal, especially when I was talking about, uh, Obi Wan, uh, or, or anybody, frankly, with a deflect ability and it doesn't cost, you know, it, it costs X amount. But if you end up getting wounded, uh, with an attack and you go to the deflect, now that deflect costs an extra one to play and if you only have one or two in the case of obi-wan you won't be able to deflect back and it is a bummer
0: yeah that is a bummer (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. something to be yeah yep i was not prepared to play obi-wan and anakin together like i've been playing dooku and asajj
0: so yeah it does like at the start of the game i already feel um pretty strapped for force points and so, you know, once you start getting towards the middle to end of the game and you've got a oh, lot yeah. or most of your models wounded, <laughs> yeah, it it feels like it becomes an even more important skill on when you're going to actually use your your force points.
1: Yeah, yeah. I the my last game, half of an entire struggle or like half half of my deck, I should say, I I was simply out out of force points and I had no access to force points for quite some time. And I was reflecting on that in that instance, it is going to be uh, an important growth growth point for somebody's uh, skill set is learning how to be very mindful when they use those, those or th- that resource. Uh, I should say uh, I, I did not do a very good job. <laughs> it was so rough.
0: It does make it interesting when as an example or a comparison, um someone like Dooku, who his beginning of turn ability I I don't have his card in front of me, but I don't believe that it's one that would be um affected by the force rule, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um versus say Asage, again, my my girlfriend. Oh, she's so
1: great. I I don't I don't know if I will play another game without Asage. She is she's such a drug and I But love it's
0: her. it's it's nice that um Dooku is able to do his, his movement without the the penalty and it starts like it, it starts becoming a lot more difficult to have Asaj jumping all around the the table mm-hmm. when her two jumps are each two uh, force points each. (laughs) Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. There, so there, there's one thing that I'll say about this. And, and one, one thing that made adjusting from Asajj and Dooku to, if I didn't mention this already, so I apologize if I've mentioned this already, but uh, from Dooku and Asajj, uh, or even just Dooku, frankly, uh, versus Obi-Wan and Anakin and, and that sort of immediate comparison. Dooku, and assage both have ways to restore force points mm-hmm. as does jango and having having at least one of those sort resources or or a source for for being able to restore force points is i don't even know if i could live without it right now the the difference for me in in how at least i'm playing the game and and just that sort of insurance policy that i feel that that ability or those abilities are uh i even if they do get wounded you're probably doing a better job efficiently or with your with your force efficiency uh than than if you didn't have one of one of a character with access to something like that i i i don't know if i can let go of that um it's so it's so good and it's so helpful
0: yeah, my, my last two games have been against the same opponent, and he's been playing like Anakin and, and some other stuff, and I've been playing Asajj. Mm-hmm. And his his comment after tonight's game was that um, it seems like you are potentially handicapping yourself with the, the models that are currently released um, if you're not taking Asajj. Um, uh, I, I'm not sure if I'm ready I to, to go that far yet but
1: yeah i i don't know about that i i don't know about that but i do think that is a very strong piece uh, a very strong piece um and dooku is also a strong piece although i think maybe more subtly so
0: Hmm. Uh, yeah i think i i think i should uh switch some of the models that i've been playing against my friend and um get some practice with other stuff but there's
1: there's already a lot of cool things to play with. Uh, it is helpful that when you play a game, though, you can play with com- six completely new things really really quickly. It, it you can get through a lot of the different available models pretty quickly, uh, just trying out new things. So there's there's that.
0: Yeah, I'm, one of the the games that I did recently with against this opponent, I um decided to that I wasn't going to play droids with Asajj, and so one of her abilities um wasn't going to I didn't have anyone that could trigger <coughs> her slip away ability. Mm-hmm. Um and instead I, I I I decided to play with both sets of Mandalorians and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. see if like the super synergy of having a bunch of Mandalorians on the table was, was uh. better than um Droids and, and the synergy with Asajj. I feel like maybe that, that, that is true. <laughs> um, so again, this is an area where I feel like I'm pretty highly biased and, and one where I, I feel like I need to play a bunch more games with droids to break through this bias or to confirm that my bias is correct. <laughs> but I did feel like it was nice playing with two set two, uh, with, with all the Mandalorians all the time.
1: <laughs> I, I think the Mandalorians are very good, and if I had to to pick right, in, well, I, don't know, I actually have I have some thoughts on this too. I was I was reflecting on this, especially after getting to play all the clones, and I've played the droids, and I've played the Mandalorians, and I think the clones the clones really benefit from more clones having just a little pocket of clones. Seems like to, they
0: seems like they benefit a lot from Kenobi as well.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Kenobi and Rex and clones, I don't know, and I think there's a lot to unpack with what they all have to offer, and just so so much synergy there. The but having just a little pocket of clones, I don't think is really enough. They don't feel as impactful if it's just sort of Rex in the 501 versus Rex. Maybe the 501 and the Commandos or Rex, the 501 and the ARF Troopers or Commando and ARF Troopers. I think that there's just a lot more to explore within the Commandos or not, excuse me, the clones uh, when you have more of them. However, I think you could get a lot more mileage out of a pocket of Mandalorians or a pocket of droids with with what's available now. Uh, You might have to follow a recipe in terms of what you include in your your squad or your strike force. But I do think that you can go a little bit further with a little bit less of those two things. And then as a highlight to that thought, I think Mandalorians are absolutely stronger together. Taking more Mandalorians is, is just putting like petroleum on fire. It's, it's, it is so, they're so good when there's more of them. I, I think that they might be my favorite, like, all in kind of approach right now is, is Uh all Mandalorians. They, they're so good. And I'm not as biased toward against, against droids. I think droids are great. Uh, but I think the Mandos are so fun and they're so good together. They're just zipping around and they're, they're really, they're really great. They're really great. I feel like the cast, when I put them on the table, it feels like there's a, a net or a network just at play when they move around and then it triggers something and they move around and it triggers another thing. And there's so much focus happening. It's, it's like ballet. I don't know. It's, it's so great. I love the Mandalorians. I don't, I don't think I can say enough positive things about playing with them. So I'd agree. Yeah, I'd agree. Long story
0: short. All right. Well, let's go ahead and, um, pause here. We can, on our, our bonus episode, we're going to talk about the change log and some of the things that have been already adjusted with the rules in the core rulebook, And I'm, I'm sure we'll probably hit some other topics as well. Um, check out our Patreon. If you support it, you'll gain access to our discord. You will gain access to our episodes a week early and you'll gain access to our bonus episode. And so, uh, give it a listen and, um, support the the patreon and, and we'd appreciate it uh finally uh as always check out discountgamesinc.com for your gaming needs and we will be happy to ship them to you promptly so that you can uh be playing Shatterpoint and, and kicking your opponent's putts with the models that we should send you so sounds sounds good that does sound good let's yeah. let's go ahead and wrap this one up here and uh, stay tuned to the bonus episode. Yeah,
1: thanks for listening. Stay frosty.